Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. This is a conversation with Bob Lothry, who is a manager leader with a very long career in property and casualty insurance. As long as I've known him, and that's a long while since he was my student in 1986, Bob has particularly liked building the systems for taking in first calls from, in this case, claimants for property and casualty problems. In earlier stages, it would be other intakes that customer service required. And Bob's been part of that evolution ever since. But he has a story to tell now, which you'll find, I think, very compelling. Because technology aside, it is people. It's his people. It's how he can bring out the best in them. And they bring out the best in him. It's a wonderful guy here that we're going to listen to. And I hope that you will understand why I say that very soon into the call. So here is Bob Lofrey. Uh, you know, sometimes I do go down memory memory lane to reconnect with a, a former student. But in this case, I, I think it was like a trip from Connecticut to Florida to find Bob Lofrey. <laughs> because North Carolina, I mean, sure. It's a, it's a lot of memory. I guess I'm using the analogy of a long trip down memory lane. But it's been a long, we, strange trip. When we reconnected momentarily uh, just a while ago, uh, I think, Bob, you said it had been uh 1986 that you were my student and i was like how many years ago <laughs> i can't do the math in my head a long time ago about 36 years ago or so 36 years and yet as we've just been doing a little bit of yakking before i turned on the recording uh bob's memory of that time and mine is very clear and not just from the classroom side because that was that was really early. I just started there at Central. But uh, once I felt the leadership that Bob carried in him and then saw him moving into a major company, the Hartford, I've, I, ch- I chased him down a number of times. I said, Bob, I want to bring some classes to you. Bob, will you come in and talk to my classes? I've got a couple of high poke kids who need a, a really good internship. And you never failed. Uh, to uh, do uh, a really great job at my my teaching. <laughs> so, uh, so folks, this is the guy who made me wonderful as a teacher right here. <laughs> but Bob right now is a director of claims for a, a company that <laughs> you said, Bob, that it's, it's, it's the largest company nobody knows about <laughs> in, the, in the property and casualty world of insurance. At, uh, Assurant, assurant. Yeah, and uh, yeah, assurant insurance company. We're we're home based. Yeah, our home office is based out of New York, New York City. Oh. We have um, yeah, our the leadership team of companies uh, primarily located in Atlanta, as mm-hmm. I am. During the uh, well before COVID, I was down there during the weekdays. I had an apartment down there, mm-hmm. so in, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been down mm-hmm. here for fifteen and a half years. Yes, you have a, uh, Con- a Connecticut boy. Yes, yes, and a, Yankee, a Yankee gone home. A Yankee, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, I, I want to add into Bob's story before we continue on that uh, he, 
the Hartford is a big deal in our state. It's a big company. It's a you know huge property and casualty company, and uh, you had a really good run there for a number of years. Uh, and then as I just discovered, you said, okay, all right, I'm, I'm going to do something different. And so you left the Hartford back, what, four years or five years? About 75 years, June. Wow. So what did it feel like with you had so much of the Hartford dust in your, in your, in your uh, bloodstream uh, to start fresh and relatively far along in your career? It was, uh, I tell you, and I still struggle with it to this day. No lie about just logging into the computer. At the Hartford, the, you know, the login ID was first initial, first name, last name, and then your last five of your social security number. It couldn't get much easier. Yeah. I come, I come to this company and it's random letters and numbers. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the only tough thing. The rest was a piece of cake. <laughs> but that's the only that's probably that's uh that's one of the few that's probably one of the only aspects I miss of the Hartford at this point. Mm-hmm. Some, some real good people. I mean, just some, some very great, nice people. Fortunately, uh a lot of those uh the people that influenced me as much as they did, I have been long gone. I was uh one of the the uh the survivors, if you would. Oh yeah, there's so many so many changes, layoffs, layovers, yeah. and it was tough. It was tough for Lots and lots of people. Now you're in this new, relatively new role still. And uh, what were some of the challenges you found that you overcame and, you know, therefore making room for more challenges? (laughs) I I took over, uh, yeah, I jumped into customer service Mm -hmm. or uh, property casualty claims, took over to customer service, which was responsible, which is responsible for, taking uh, primarily the first notice of loss when a customer calls in. And then also when they call in and they, they're, they're wanting, they're wanting a uh, status of their, of their open claim mm-hmm. go through my folks. And one of the things um, this group had been ostracized largely within the claim organization by design uh, by their own leadership, which was really uh, kind of disheartening because oh, the people to this day, they still feel, uh, like they're second rate citizens and it's, it's unfortunate. It's been, and so it's, it's really required, you know, a lot of work, to try to bridge that some, you know, stops, you know, start, stop, start, stop type of thing. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, the primary thing was, was really was there's just, it wasn't the, the operation was not like a foundation. There wasn't a, a compass, a mission statement of what they were aiming to do. It wasn't based on, decisions were being based on the, on the business. Mm-hmm. They were being based on, God, I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No checks or balances in place. So I walked in and I was like, whoa, there's like, there's no monitors, there's no controls in place. Uh, people are, you know, I met with the people right off the bat and they just bitched about how they were working from home. They were allowed to work from home and then they were pulled all back in. Mm-hmm. And no explanation. And they mm-hmm. just wanted to get back home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. And so, you know, I just said, you know, within 30 days, I was able to put together, you know, the whole, you know, first 30 days, uh, which was, I laid out a, an operating plan uh, with the, with the pillars or cornerstones of what we had to be all about. And that had to be about, you know, just the, the expenses had to be around the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the people. And then it had to be about uh, 
uh, just efficiency and just, yeah. and so we lined it up and we just started. So then we had each of our responsive, you know, we had our boxes of, you know, basically what would get us there. Mm-hmm. And so we, we went like hell on it. It was, uh, basically one other manager and myself, and we just went and then we had, you know, I mean, it was, and it was, it was a smaller team. We were only about 60, yeah, about 60 people deep total. And, um, mm-hmm. and I had, I had turnover. I had to move, I had to move out some managers mm-hmm. who weren't, they weren't, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, so to say. They weren't leading. Yeah. They weren't leading and they wanted to play, um, I, they didn't understand the value of what I was trying to do. And so yeah. perhaps yeah. I could have done a better job around that. I know I alienated somebody, you know, one of the big mistakes I made was I didn't pull the, uh, the more tenured folks aside and explain what I was doing to them. And I left that up to the managers and that was a mistake. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And I, and I really, you know, I should have, I should have been more intentional around getting my message directly to them. Mm-hmm. which in hindsight, you know, is a good learning. And I've, I've taken those steps since, since, but it's uh yeah, it was, it was a lot of heavy lifting because, you know, right off the bat in uh summer of uh, 17, <laughs> we had a, a huge hurricane. We had, you know, Houston and uh, yeah, uh, and that's right. And Houston, I mean, that just when it stopped, this is, these are mainly uh, commercial and homes or, or, Personal is more. It was about homes and rental. Um, you know, renters. Yeah. And, you know, so, people being displaced and. So yeah. those those claims are. Oh. Yeah, that's that's right up the top of the of the uh, safety ladder. Is uh, and then what we you were dealing with. Houston, and then boom! All of a sudden, now we're we have Miami being targeted. I think Irma was rolling in right there, right after, right on the heels of that. And so uh, I had I had. I had to have about 130 temps working mm-hmm. between Atlanta and, and Miami. And, um, and I really saw some outstanding people. I saw some, some of my folks who really, really stepped up big time. And I told them point blank. I mean, I told them, I said, Hey, I said, I'm going to take care of you. You take care of me. And I said, I'm going to take care of you. And which I honored. Um, there's some, some great little, you know, prideful stories of, you know, calling up a town acquisition person, you know, negotiating on behalf of one of my reps who was looking to get a job in accounting and she just got her degree. Mm-hmm. And so I went, I challenged that, uh, that recruiter. I, you know, she was all within the, the, uh, the assurance family. I said, one, I said, is this just going to be a data entry role? I said, if it is, she's better than that. <laughs> and I won't let her go. I said, two, you better pay her because if you don't pay her, I will pay her and I'll keep her. <laughs> How'd that turn out? Oh, the recruiter was stunned. She was stunned. She said, I've never had anybody say that to me. I said, that's fine. <laughs> I said, but I'm, I'm taking care of people that have taken care of me. Yeah. And I said, I think you could appreciate it. And she yeah. says, you're right. I can. And so she was a uh, Carolina. Carolina was taken care of. She's uh, you know, just a wonderful young lady down in Miami. And she was incredible. I love that. I love and that story. And that's you, by the way, Bob. That's, I tell you, you got to do, you got to take care of people. That wasn't just one in Carolina. I mean, no, I can think of no, a few no. that you, you, you go to bat for. In fact, uh, I'll do a quick assert, insert here. When, when uh, Steve Cavallari, Professor Cavallari, who you know, and I wrote Inside Knowledge, the uh, uh, way to performance improvement, we wrote it about a woman, Dana Gilbert, in a call center. Now it was in a manufacturing company, 
Uh, but she was getting ready to resign when I started this novel. It's a novel. And uh, the guy came along, and I think it might have had the same character as you in my head, and said, look, just wait a while. Uh, I, I want you so valuable. And I, you know, I realize it's been a lot of change in this call center. They were basically trying to replace these people with technology. The, the villain was the technology. And, uh, and I know that it was influenced by my experiences with you. It really was. Uh, Dana Gilbert, it, it ends up with a, with a pretty good ending, but there was a lot of crap in the middle that she dealt with and others dealt with. And, and it was about organization change and personal change. But your Catalina is my Dana, only, uh, you know, she needed someone like you. And she did. Her, I named him Lewis Fuller. <laughs> so you, you still have this unbelievable energy. And I know some of it you get from being a, a golfer, or, you know, we talked <laughs> about that, and a great family man. Uh, but where does the energy, how do you get your energies up now that you've kind of get that system in place? People know what they, they're about. The pillars are strong. Uh, are there any other uh, yeah. short challenges that you can give oh. you keep those energies up there? Yeah, no, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, as you had shared uh, with your own personal battle of uh, with illness, uh, mm -hmm. I've gone through quite a bit myself. Oh. Yeah, and so um, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, I think it's uh, fourteen years now. I was diagnosed with stage four uh, cancer, uh, incurable, and uh, it was it had landed uh, from it started in the pancreas, moved over to the liver. At the time, the uh, the MRI radiologist had described it as uh, innumerable, quote unquote, innumerable tumors. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, no, no cure. So nothing I could, no, I didn't. Yes, yet, you are on my screen. I see you, you're there. So I'm here in the flesh. 14. And, uh, yeah. And it turned out to be the best blessing of my life. Uh, because what it did was it allowed me, you know, I prioritized my son and raising my son and, and giving him the, you know, the, the upbringing that he deserved. And that was wonderful. I cannot, I cannot look back with any regret whatsoever, not for a single day. And uh, so, yeah, I get through, I, you know, get him out through, you know, out to college. He's at Western Carolina right now. He's a junior out there. Wonderful. Uh, and then, uh, and then last summer I went in, uh, <laughs> had a little pain right up in the, the chest area, esophagus. And it turned out I was uh, in AFib and I needed to get over to the hospital. Uh, that resulted in, um, Quadruple bypass. I had uh, two arteries that were completely 100% closed, including infamous Widowmaker. Oh, yeah. It was 80%, and the uh, fourth one was 70% closed. I have a pacemaker now. <laughs> uh, so I spent the month of June in the hospital last year, and then um, I was at the golf course chipping some golf balls and my recovery. I went in for a Gatorade, and I passed out. And another trip up to the hospital. This was in August. <laughs> at which they found a, a tumor on my brain. And so I had to have that removed uh, <laughs> my pituitary gland in September. And then, um, yeah, in the fall, they just, they found another legion on my spine. The cancer is legion on my spine. So, um, but where it all, you know, the energy that you speak of. Yeah. Um, when I was, yeah, you know, when I came through, you know, after the the heart surgery, I remember being in, you know, 
I was in Charlotte, Uptown Charlotte, and and I just said, yeah, you know, talking to my wife, maybe my son, I'm not really sure who, and I just said, uh, you know, I'm here for a reason. My job's not done because I've taken up, um, you know, various uh, challenges, you know, um, as I call them, my hobbies. Before joining Assurance, I had taken up, uh, you know, my son was redistricted to a new high school when he was as an incoming freshman. And, and at school, you know, it just, <laughs> he was at this school and he went down to a school like this, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, put into you know, New Britain terms, if there's anybody from the central Connecticut area, it's like going from Berlin uh, to New Britain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a proud New Britain high grad, so. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's the conditions are rough, yeah. So, you know, I got involved. And that was probably the best thing. And I took over, I ran their booster club for, you know, which included their elementary school, middle school and high school. And it was a great great experience. I had a lot of fun. We, boy, we found some incredible things that were just there, just disgust you. But anyway, state investigators handled that. (laughs) But, um, and then when I took the job in Atlanta, I was working with uh, 20 somethings, just Mm. as a hobby, just trying to help out some kids who made a decision, a bad decision here or there. Yeah. And just trying to get them back you know, on the right on the right course. Yeah. Anyway, so when I woke up in the hospital bed, it was like, hey, my job's not done. I gotta do something. Yeah, I'm you know, I have to I have to continue to give. And um, and so I said, I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna strike me what that is. Well, lo and behold, what I did not expect was it was gonna strike me in my own team. And I caught the passion around just taking my team to a, to a new level, to a level that no one's ever experienced. I and I put out the word out to HR and I said, Hey, you're going to need, you're going to need new, new uh, metrics to, you know, basically greatest new employee, employee engagement surveys. I said, we're going to rewrite everything. Wow. Was like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. You did a nice job this year. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You did nice no, they're, they're blurring the wrong guy. <laughs> I took them over and then we were the highest, you know, we finished top 10 in the, in the company. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I said, Oh, I said, you haven't seen it yet. I said, 2022 is going to be the year. And so I started on this uh, crusade back in the fourth quarter. And, um, and we, and we, while we're still working from home, um, we are, the most engaged group I've ever seen in my life. Uh, for instance, we just had a, we have happy hours every now and then. And uh, we, you know, we had one this past Friday. It started at nine o'clock at night, Eastern standard time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, how many people are going to show up to that? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, now the team, now we're down to, you know, our team's about 35 people. And once you know it, there was a, uh, I, I had a, you know, a prior commitment. So I couldn't join on until 1030 and there were still like 13 people on the call. Yeah. Yeah. Several of them were intoxicated, which was great. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's called happy hour. And it's after, you know, it's, and, and we we're playing. It was a hip hop. You're, you're not driving anywhere. You're sitting That's at right. your desk. Yeah. And we have uh, we have a murder mystery coming up in the month of March. Uh-huh. Uh, there's just the, the energy. It's just unreal. And they haven't even seen the best yet. That's, uh, you know, my personal thing for this year is uh, I've cataloged it. Uh, bring yourself and the word yourself is all caps. Bring yourself to work every day. And what I mean by that is uh, yeah. 
is we're going to start, we're going to start something I picked up at, uh, during a college, uh, football recruiting trip down to, um, oh boy, coastal Carolina down, mm-hmm. uh, right by Myrtle beach. Mm-hmm. And the coach there was a former uh, CEO of uh, TD bank North. And, yeah. um, I mean, the guy is just amazing. I, mean, I believe he's passed, but he's just amazing. Amazing. And, um, I learned so much on that one trip down there, you know, from the banners hanging everywhere, which was BAM, B-A-M. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Is this a Fred Flintstone takeoff? (laughs) It's only to find out that B-A-M stood for be a man and not, you know, not in a, um, you know, gender way. Gender way. It was about, you have to be responsible. That's right. man. They didn't have any, Code of conducts, they did not have a uh, like a, a guide for how to conduct yourself as a student athlete. He said, we don't need that. We have team captains and we have players and you're accountable for those players. So if you get into uh, an argument at two o'clock in the morning, well, regardless of what the argument was about, you have to explain to your brothers why you were out at two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. when you should have been in bed, getting ready to wake up next day to be able to to practice your craft of football. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, it was just a, and plus what he also shared was once a, once a, once a week, the captains get all players together. And this is during their coaching time, which is limited. So that it's time is of, you know, time is of the essence there. Absolutely. They allow 45 minutes each week to just to talk about the issues facing society, which I thought was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I thought it was beautiful. And what it does, it creates the team harmony because all everyone understands. They may not agree, but they understand. Mm-hmm. And knowledge is power without a doubt. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. we've heard, you know, discrimination, prejudice is all it's based and rooted in ignorance. And ignorance. Uh, if we could, if we could alleviate that, wham. So I'm stealing that concept to, uh, I want to bring that into my workplace, which in a workplace is, well, I'll just put it this way. I haven't saw approval <laughs> from the HR community. I said, at my age, I'm going for it um, because just it's the right thing to right do. Now, it's truly the right thing to do. And I know there's a lot of people who walk around eggshells over these issues mm-hmm. the, you know, the protests, the riots, everything. Mm-hmm. And I want us to be able to have an open dialogue, what these things mean to one another. And, and again, um, I have a manager, a boss who, without a doubt, the nicest boss I've ever met, I've ever worked for, hands mm-hmm. down, the nicest individual. This guy, Jim Littleton, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And he was a, he shared something with me that just blew me away about his own family. And, and it's just, it was like, you know, and then, you know, during a, um, during one of my leadership meetings, he shared it at the leadership meeting, which was, I thought it was beautiful because it opens a door to us just speaking freely. Hey, we're human beings after all. I think that's, that's, that's a, that's leadership right there. Hey, and it's like, if we could just, if we could just get that stuff out there mm-hmm. so that we could be who we are, then I think that we could help people. And that's really, I mean, my big thing is I'm really, um, it ripped me up. I mean, it tears me up on the inside about, you know, these young adults, 20 somethings who, you know, contemplate, think that suicide is an option. Yeah, uh, and it's, and it, and it breaks my heart. And I've, I've been close to, I have a couple of very good friends who, who, you know, battle, battle with that. Actually three very good friends who battle with it. And, and I can't help but think that if I'm able to 
get them talking and get them to be understood. And, you know, and there's help. There's help everywhere. I mean, people know, people know people, people have been through experiences and they will, they will help you. They will stop and help you when you're in need. And I said, I have to give this a shot. And so, um, that's going to be our big thing in 2022 and wow. continue forward is I want, you know, and it's, uh, the excitement I brought in and in, and it, um, you know, like a core group in the beginning of December and kind of shared the, um, you know, just shared it with them, the, the concept. And yeah, I have some music behind it. You know, some Alicia Keys is, uh, Alicia Keys is amazing. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually influenced by her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John Lennon's one of my faves as well. well obviously. I see some Beatles on you. And the, wow, you know, folks. Imagine, the song Imagine is so powerful in that. The wonderful song. I mean, I may not be, well, I, I will talk about, you know, I'm not referencing, say, specifically war, right? But it's it's about the war that we face every day and these kids face every day. And and I tell you, and it's, uh, you know, we can replace that, I believe. I think that we can flip that. And if I could give people an incredible 10-hour experience every day or eight-hour experience every day, you know, one, they're going to be better people. Two, I'm begging that they that they take this and they demand it wherever they go because that's where the change takes place is when that's they right. leave our house and they go out and they and they have to demand it. And then just trying to get my my influence, my voice louder. Because I think that I have to, you know, my goal is to be able to influence more up and coming leaders. And then I have this crazy idea of uh, following my, you know, one of my mentor's footsteps, the great Doc Farron, and go for oh. my PhD, <laughs> you know, be able so that I can write and I can share uh, what, I, what I think I could do to help. Oh, well, that's, uh, uh, I had no idea how inspiring this call would be. <laughs> Why didn't I? I mean, what's wrong? I'm talking to Bob Lofrey and uh, he's always had that that challenge. But when you put it in the context of what you're dealing with now, I want to summarize one point, though, I think is quite important to what Peter Vale and I called managerial leadership. It's not just managing. It's not just leading. But when you can fuse uh, in one person and then spread through others this notion that we all manage, but we all lead this this story you're telling is there, but then you take each of the persons who's in your contact uh, system, who does that job, got the headset on, and, and there's no, end, no uh, idea what the next call is going to bring. It could be disaster. It could be someone who's complaining that they don't quite understand the last bill. Who knows? It, it, it comes to them. Yep. My point is you're looking at each of those persons as someone who you are helping develop as practitioners, as human beings, so that they can set the terms going forward because they know their worth. They know what they can do. And how would they know that? In part, you've got systems of metrics, which you've been beautifully developing all the years I've known you. You show people, here's your goal. Here's your way to get in, know how you're going to get there. And we'll monitor it, and, but you're going to monitor it too. So you're growing people from the job out, not necessarily up, but out, out to wherever they want to be in their life. Right. right. Wow. That, that's a piece of work. Now, in terms of becoming a Doc Fearon, uh, I was only t- 
30 when I earned my PhD <laughs> and you're, you're over 30. <laughs> so I, I had a long time for it to soak in, <laughs> but you and I, you and I will definitely talk about uh, uh, the, yeah, prag the pragmatics of that goal. Uh, there is one other aspect that you know, and that you mentioned around the goals and the metrics uh, because this year, and I just, uh, we just rolled out our, uh, our goals um to my extended leadership team uh friday mm -hmm. and so it's very fresh and uh and i committed to you know my managers i committed to them last year i said uh next year you know in 2022 i said we're not gonna you guys are not gonna have metrics for goals and they you know they they raised their eyebrows similar to what you did maybe a little bit, oh really and i said yeah no. what are you gonna do my bonus is on the line because <laughs> well, what happens right is that 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 becomes their priority that becomes yeah. all the focus. The, the metrics, yeah. And and I'm at a point, right? This is, you know, I'm into year five, and this is the latest it's taken me in any of my stops along the way to get rid of those metrics as goals. It's usually right around the, the end of year two, year three is when I could put those comfortably. I could set those back. and Because it, it gets to a point where people understand what they need to do. They know how to do it, okay? So – what's the disconnect at this point okay some people may not do it as well as somebody else because so much of it is subjective or exactly. we upon, judge uh, a lot of judgment calls yeah or else we rely upon what we call imperial data which is hardly imperial <laughs> or accurate you know I mean, <laughs> you're going to get two different regardless of which system or which industry you're in and uh, and so i really try i'm trying to de-emphasize that and trying to really look at people from ranges. And so that I say, hey, and I tell folks all the time, I said, just get off the radar. Don't be an outlier. If you're an outlier, that's what's going to bring you bring the attention. I said, if you're not an outlier, I said, you're fine. No one's going to tell me the difference is if on, um, you know, somebody listens to 10 calls and somebody has a quality score of 97 and somebody else has a quality score of 93. Tell me those calls are different. The listener, how the, you know, how the, uh, you know, the, the, the quality person interpreted it. It's still a very good experience. And really, that's what I want. And so this year is where, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're putting all the help, help guides in place so that as people need help, it's up to them to say, hey, I need help. You know, again, hired adults. We're treating them like adults. Well, I want them to act like adults, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And hey, this is this is for you. This isn't for me. This is for you. I need you. You know, you got to own it. Yeah, and I go back. I love Tom Peters. Is still my idol from yeah, he's still one. class. Yeah, he's still the man. Uh, yeah. The ownership, and I used that the reference about you know when was the last time you ever washed a rental car, <laughs> right? <laughs> I showed you those videos, and then I didn't have to teach. I just put them on the screen, and you guys soaked them up. <laughs> you don't need to wash your rental, but you going to wash and wax your own car and that's, that's right. the only component and that's what i'm trying to push and it's uh it's gonna it's, work Bob. yeah and, and what i want my managers doing with the coaching sessions because i've stepped up coaching sessions is i want them you know what could i do for you i flipped it you know it took me a while to get into tom peter's mode of you mm -hmm. know i flipped that paradigm right mm -hmm. where the reps our front line, they're interacting with that customer. They know more than anybody in terms of what they need to take care of that customer. And I've always had a rule of thumb of, you know, you lose 15% each step back. 
So my frontline manager only knows about 85% of what they deal with. Me, I'm like in the 60s, uh, 70% range. <laughs> and it still kills me when they bring me into meetings about a new claim your management system. I'm like, why do you have me here? I said, I haven't put a single claim in this system ever. <laughs> what am I going to tell you? You're asking the wrong people. Exactly. Yeah. You're asking my Dana Gilbert. You know, that's, that's who right. should be asked. He should that's ask her. And give them, give them a say. And that builds their confidence. It builds their ownership. It builds everything. And it's, um, so that's been something, uh, and actually yeah, that's, I had, I had the training department just kind of, well, we've never had this approach before because they would ask, you know, how was training for new hires? And they, they put this questionnaire out to the managers and me. And when I first started, I'm like, why the hell am I getting this? I didn't, I didn't go through the training. So I flipped it over to the four new hires. Well, the feedback that went back to the trainers from the managers was, Hey, everything's great. The feedback that came from the four new hires totaled, it was like two and a half pages of feedback. Yeah. And they yeah. came to me and they said, what is this? And I said, well, this is the feedback. I said, once they got on the floor, they realized where the gaps were between the training and mm -hmm. what they needed. And they were like, they, they handled it. And I tell you, and I talked to, you know, this uh, one gentleman, Jay, to this day, because he's no longer with the company. The guy's just wonderful. And he got, he says, and he had a big smile when he says, no one's ever done this, but I like this. <laughs> and it's I, about uh, I, customer. Oh, I, I love it. I, I, I've got to watch my time because this could become a five, a five episode series we're running here, but I'm coming back to you, but I will say on behalf of the, of the podcast, podcast part of our recording, uh, I've had a lot of amb ambitious ideas over my whole career about how, uh, life should be for anyone who's employed uh, in any place. And, and you have codified it beautifully in this conversation. You, you, you see potential uh, and then sometimes more than someone sees their own and you help them see it. And then you create the conditions so they can move out toward that potential. And, that's so, that's so foundational into what uh, why Peter Vale and I want people to think hard about practice because practice is solely owned and operated by the person. And, and I think and, that term is beautiful. I do. I, I loved it when I saw that last when I came across that podcast. You know, when I reached out to you last week, uh, I thought that was I was like, wow. I mean, it's so spot on because one of the other things, you know. I, I'm a book guy. I love to be able to get books from my, my manager. But this year I've taken to a new level and I loaded up the entire extended leadership team, including my manager even, on uh, several different books uh, because this is the year of, uh, uh, it's, you know, I'm calling us the <laughs> servant leadership. Yeah. And yeah, and it's so the, uh, the, you know, the manuscript. And so that was one book and then a lot of John Maxwell books. Uh, the Daily Planner, as well as uh, how successful people uh, think. Mm -hmm. And so and what we do is each Friday during my leadership meetings is that we're going through a section of one of those books. And as my manager called it uh, the first meeting a couple of weeks ago, he said, geez, he says, I feel like I'm at a assurance leadership book club. I said, you are. <laughs> you are. Welcome. So, and well, my book is on, 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 on practice as a way of being or our book, Peter Vale in mind and uh when you get it i'm going to send you uh, a link to it. it's first thing it's digital 
It's not an ebook. It's not. We can print out paper at at uh, for those old fashioned folks who want it, but it's digital and it's alive. Right at this moment, there are uh, five sections that are already in place. You and if you own it, you can see those sections. But I can be adding and will be adding uh, accessories to each of these sections. Uh, links to the podcast, uh, articles, other things to make it even a richer experience. The other thing is that the 32 conjectures that Peter made of the nature of practice that I've um, taught, in a sense, with my writing, each one is in its own uh, clickable box, if you will. So you could say to the guys, we're going to do conjecture 17 next week. Take a look. Click it. They read maybe two or three pages, uh, very easy read. They can make the letters big or they can do whatever they want. And then it's you can discuss each conjecture. Like I mentioned earlier in the call, practice is eliminated. It, it's one of his ideas, and or maybe it wasn't in this call. I, earlier today, basically, one of them was, and this is sort of the summary of the Bob Larfrey story so far. You have to leave some things behind in order to be ready to take some things forward. That's that's the nature of practice. And some of the things you leave behind are bad habits or whatever, or even easy relationships that you hate to break. But you got to break them in order to you know move on. So that's the that's the Bob Larfrey I know, folks. Uh, I will I will definitely be chasing him down for another one. Uh, I'm going to give him a chance to. to once again, say how wonderful I am, and then I'll stop the recording, but we'll keep talking. Bob, you're on. The uh, doc, I take, you're on. <laughs> I tell you, I still have, you know, I was going to actually, I was looking for those little blue booklets that you would give us that we would have to write down, you know, in our, the, our notes after every session of yeah. class or from a reading and, and apply it. That's actually something that I applied uh, just this last, this past week. Yeah. About you know, read over you know those the various uh, pages, mm-hmm. and you know, there's like uh, there's like nine there's ten different uh, items, and I said pick one, tell you know summarize what that is, but tell me either how you've applied it or how you think you can apply it. And it's right really, on, it's man. Right that's back. what it. That's what we yeah. did. Learning synthesis <laughs> reports. And what it does, I mean, you know, and this is where a lot of a lot of people kind of miss the connect with, you know, uh, education. The academic world, right, and you know, and the, the business uh, sector is that you have to stay fresh mm-hmm. uh, because things are changing. And I mean, for anybody to really question that, I mean, when I was when I was going to school, you know, it was um, I think there's stores like Sears, <laughs> Kmart. <laughs> there weren't any WalMarts. I can tell you that right now. No, you know, not at all. I graduated high school. You know, of 81, there was there weren't any Walmarts per se, but it's, you know, this just talks, it speaks to the evolution and everything's evolving and people's interests are evolving in a way that they need to be treated. But one of the things I did, um, it's just kind of researching quickly, kind of like over time, I've always had in my mind, you know, that I learned in your class about, you know, classic management style, right? Came up through, you know, through American industrial, uh, you know, age right through, right past uh, World War II, and participative management took over, I think the year was 1983. In fact, I know that was the year. I have it memorized. That's right. We got the tattoo 83 somewhere. But, uh, That's right. And I remember asking you uh, after that was, 
you know, when would I ever see it in the workplace? And you said, probably never. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a, I was a, a, a pessimistic bastard back then, I think. <laughs> it makes sense because when, when people, when the leaders, the C-level leaders are educated, this is what they're walking away with. But the problem is, is that leadership is not something that is, it's not like a trade. It's not viewed as a trade. Uh, whereas if, if you have a, if you have a GC, a general contractor's license, okay, you have to do continuing education. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, if you have an insurance license, you have to do continuing education. But if you're a leader, you know, a lot of companies aren't even affording you basically, you know, entry-level leadership training. And it's, it's criminal. And then I won't even speak to what I think is going to be the bigger issue of, um, you know, you have a contact center or something, and who do you promote? You promote the person that is the true leader amongst people, okay, on the floor, or because maybe that person doesn't look like the senior leaders look looks yeah, like, yeah. Or you promote the person that looks more like the senior leaders, mm. and you know it could be customer interfacing if that ever, yeah. You know, I mean, which doesn't mm. happen in the real world anyway, but it's an mm. argument, and it's like, you know, this is something that I think that we we're going to run out of. Good, I think we're we're running out of good leaders because we've been hiring the wrong leaders, yeah. and it's something that it's deep. It's not just a three day training session or you know leadership you know exercise. This is something that we have to we have to look at the you know the core DNA of people, and we have to start to rewire some things. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, because there's values, there's norms, there's social norms, there's there's things that people grew up with that. That's them. And if they, but if they are a true leader of the floor, damn it, man, we got to keep them there. I mean. Well, you, you're, you are. Uh, my dissertation right there. You and I have, you and I, Bob, have our work cut out for us then. Yes. Because I'm, I'm not giving up on, on every, anything you said in regard to leadership as a, as a fundamental practice. And you're not giving up because you've, you've had four or five huge life scares and you're still here. So I think you're right. I think this is supposed to be happening between you and me. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, no, thank you very much, Doc. I mean, you, you know, you've been a huge, and I mean, I, I hold two people up as my, my mentors when it comes down to this leadership field. And you're one along with uh, my former boss, Mike Rankins, who I just love dearly. Uh, I, remember, I remember Mike well. No, and you know, Mike really took, you know, he, he took me under his wing. He challenged me and boy, did he challenge me. There was, ooh, there's some bad texts flying around at 4 a.m. in the morning a couple of times. I'm sitting at the gym and I'm like, yeah, but I tell you, it's, it's, it's only when you, well, it's only when you get pushed out of your comfort zone, does, you know, become vulnerable. Do you start to truly learn? And that could be in relationship as a leader, as anything, as a, as a person. And uh, that's the lesson I learned with Mike. I mean, I mean, boy, we went toe to toe a few times, but man, I tell you, I would, I'd fight for that. Yeah. And you're right there. I mean, you gave me the, you gave me. And, uh, and I tell you, Tom Peters is still my idol. (laughs) And I mean, I just, you know, and those things that I learned, those fundamentals that I learned, they carry with you. And I mean, those, that's basically, that's your core values as a leader is what I learned during your management, uh, 
an organization's behavior autos. Yeah, no, that's right. You, you, uh, you really honor me. Thank you, sir. So much. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.